What's going on, my fellow A-plusers? Welcome back to a brand new episode of A-plus Opinions, your home for your nerd pop culture news and reviews. As always, guys, it is I, your host, Adam Perez. We are, in fact, back with a brand new episode for you guys today as we're doing something a little bit different for you guys today. Listen, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, for any of you guys who have, in fact, known me for quite some time, um, you know, I, we used to actually review... Um, Star Wars Rebels uh, for you guys here back in the day when uh, before it went ahead and went off the air. Um, so I'm a really big fan of Star Wars. You guys have asked me a couple of questions in the past. I've actually gone ahead and highlighted for you guys some of my posters that I have certainly have uh, that I haven't really put out just yet. Um, but yeah, I've been a huge Star Wars fan. And so leading up to the launch of Disney+, Plus, the one original series that, of course, had my eye and had my attention was, in fact, the Mandalorian. And I just feel like as a Star Wars fan, it's kind of my duty uh, to kind of review uh, this particular show, the first ever live-action Star Wars television show, mind you. Um, so I figured, why not, right? Why not? Um, you know, I have a lot on my plate as it is, um, but I figured and kind of decided with myself, like, hey, Titans is almost up, right? We've got like, what, three episodes left of Titans. That's going to be gone soon. It might open up my schedule to kind of review at least another show. So I figured, why not just go ahead and throw The Mandalorian on my plate? It's in the Star Wars universe. I'm a sucker for anything Star Wars related. Um, so I figured, let's give myself something else nerdy uh, that I can certainly talk about uh, and just nerd vomit on everybody about. So when they announced The Mandalorian, I just knew that I certainly had to go ahead and review it for you guys. So um, this will work out pretty much how we always do it, guys. A probably live discussion review for you guys. I'll give you guys my thoughts on the episode. Um, and then if you're in the live chat, you can certainly go ahead and chat amongst yourselves. Um, send in any of your comments, your thoughts on the particular week's episode. And then, of course, at the end of the uh, review of mine, I'll go ahead and jump into the live chat with you guys uh, and discuss this week's episode. And if you are viewing us after the live chat has, in fact, streamed, feel free to go ahead and throw your thoughts in the comment section box below, guys. I have no problem uh, continuing that Star Wars discussion with you guys, certainly going forward. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, real quick, guys, if you haven't subscribed to us yet, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell notification also. So anytime we drop a brand new video, you guys will certainly be notified. If you also want to go ahead and follow us on social media, you can do so right here at A Plus Opinions on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Uh, we got a couple people over in the live chat. You know I like to shout out anybody that certainly joined us today. Doomsday's in the house. Gabriel coming through as always, sir. Thank you very much for popping in. And Edward Sanchez, the force is strong in this live stream. I hope the connection uh, is as strong as the force here. So uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of talking about this week's episode. So I guess let's go ahead and get into it and give you guys my thoughts. Listen, the first thing that really just jumps out to me this, this series is, in fact, directed, uh, I should say, episode one or chapter one here is directed by Dave Filoni, uh, most notably known for really his time in animation. Um, you can go back to some of Dave Filoni's work, check out the Clone Wars television series, which he worked side by side with George Lucas in regards to for the Clone Wars animated series. Um, and he also tackled Star Wars Rebels, which is one of my favorite Star Wars animations that we've had. I absolutely love the original characters and the stories that he wind up doing. But he's never actually directed live 
action until this particular episode. And I honestly thought for a first-time director, getting your hands wet on something like this in regards to a television series instead of just jumping into something as big as a big-budget sort of theatrical release, I think was really smart on Lucasfilm to at least allow Dave Filoni uh, his time to at least dabble in live action as a director for something as amazing as The Mandalorian. So this episode was, in fact, directed by Dave Filoni, written by none other than Jon Favreau. Jon Favreau has, in fact, written all the episodes for The Mandalorian this season. Of course, Jon Favreau, if you if most notably also known for Iron Man's 1 and 2, uh, along with The Jungle Book, as well as um, The Lion King also, and a couple of other ones, Chef. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on in what uh, Jon Favreau has put his hands on. So, I think the combination between these two gentlemen are amazing. And before we get into the trailer, uh, the, the the review, excuse me, this is a spoiler trailer. I mean, excuse me, this is a spoiler review for you guys, okay? So if you haven't had the opportunity to see the episode, we're going to be breaking it down and talking about it for you guys. So this is spoiler filled. So if you haven't watched The Mandalorian, if you don't want to be spoiled, this is your time. This is your time. I'm just giving you that. I'm giving you the out right now for you to go watch it and come back if you want to, because I'm going to give you my thoughts, talk about uh, characters and plot points and things like that. And we're going to go from there. Okay. Based off of just this story alone for Jon Favreau, I can immediately see why Dave Filoni was attached to this series. Um, I think Kathleen Kennedy did a really fantastic job of teaming up Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni uh, because the moment that I saw how this episode ended, this, again, all being Jon Favreau's story, I immediately felt, oh man, Dave Filoni probably eat this story up, man. Um, this is probably a story that he wants to explore with a ton of these characters um, just based off of the way that this episode alone wind up uh, finishing off. Pedro Pascal, the man behind the helmet, uh, who plays, in fact, the Mandalorian here in this episode, I thought did a remarkable job. I mean, it's hard to say that somebody does a remarkable job when you can't see them act, right? It's... Um, it's one of those things where as a performer, I'm pretty sure when you're in not only the armor, but when you're also in the helmet, besides having to deliver your words in a particular manner so that we can kind of understand it, if you're trying to convey emotions, clearly we can't see it on your face, but I love his mannerisms. I love the way that he holds himself, the different angles that he tilts his helmet, how he holds it down. Like, it really evokes the type of emotions that you can immediately understand what the Mandalorian is certainly thinking. You know what I mean? So for an actor to be able to do that while your face is covered, I think takes a lot of talent, takes a lot of talent. And I wasn't quite sure exactly what the personality was going to be of the Mandalorian from because honestly from the trails that we've seen, right? We've only seen him say like maybe one line, uh, maybe a sentence or two. But you don't, you can't really get a grasp of who the character is. So I love the fact that there is just a quiet intensity about him. But he also doesn't like when he's meeting up with the bounty hunter, um, IG 11, who's voiced by Taika Watiti, mind you, who just wind up releasing his film Jojo Rabbit, uh, responsible for Thor Ragnarok. He's actually the voice, he was actually the voice of was it Korg in Thor Ragnarok. He's the voice of IG-11, the bounty hunter robot in here. 
just his interactions with the robot alone kind of showcase a different side of his personality that Pedro was able to at least showcase to us, right? That he's not always a hard ass, right? Like he, he can have his fun a little bit. He can be a little bit loose when he certainly needs to, but make no attempt and make, make no mistake. He's a Mandalorian. He's as, as intense as they certainly come. Um, but I really just loved his partnership here with uh, IG-11 towards the end of this particular episode. Um, but Pedro Pascal just really impressed me based off of the fact of what he was capable of doing behind a helmet. So I, I thought that was rather impressive. So really the idea here is that for the premise of this episode is that we have a Mandalorian who manages to wind up picking up a bounty. Um, clearly the Mandalorian here is extremely good at what he does um you know the first couple opening scenes that we see here is pretty much what we've seen in the trailer right him entering this bar somebody trying to pick a fight with him he winds up taking everybody out sort of thing but what we don't see is in fact that he's actually at this particular bar on this planet that's unknown to us um so pick up a bounty and the bounty he's picking up is actually somebody that I think I think the race of the creature or his name was Mithral, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe that might have been just his species in general. Um, but he's there to go ahead and pick up this particular bounty who was actually being picked on and kind of beaten up by these people that also tried to beat up the Mandalorian in the bar as well. I will say this. Immediately, you're sort of transversed into this particular world. Uh, I mean, it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. Like, the idea of it being live-action television series, it, you immediately understand the aesthetics, the way that it's shot, the way that it looks from a, some of the sets that they wind up having. Uh, you're immediately put into the Star Wars world, right? Like, you're immediately taken to a place uh, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away sort of thing. I mean, the, the set pieces, the special effects were incredible from the Razor Crest to the, um, the the creature on the planet that wind up like destroying one of the uh, one of the speeders, uh, one of the land speeders, along with trying to bring down the Razor Crest. I thought the special effects looked absolutely fantastic. I, I truly did. So um, really enjoyed that. If I did have one complaint about this episode and I, I really didn't have many complaints, but if I did have one complaint about the episode. I really wish that they had showcased the names of the planets that we are, in fact, traveling to. Because the only way that I knew maybe one of the planets in this was like going to Wikipedia and finding out about the Mandalorian episode number one sort of thing, right? Kind of go, skimming through sort of a little brief summary in a sense where they announce some of the character names, some of the uh, planets and things like that. I just think when it comes to Star Wars... I, I I just feel like it's important to at least maybe showcase the name somewhere on the screen uh, of the planet that they're certainly going to so that as a viewer, we at least have an understanding of where they're at. Like, I understand that he's probably out on the outer regions or right on the brim of the regions of space sort of thing. So maybe the names really aren't that important at the end of all this. But for me as a viewer... Um, I personally would have liked to have seen some of the planet names up there. Um, but again, I fell in love with this world. I, I was immediately drawn into it, um, and I'm really eager to kind of see where else they wind up taking us uh, on this journey. Because I feel like for the most part, anything that we've really seen in the trailers, I feel like a lot of what we've seen in the trailers probably has a lot to do with maybe just episodes one and even maybe episode two alone. So I'm really eager to see what else they have to showcase us that we have yet to see. 
But we come to find out that the Mandalorian, fantastic bounty hunter, right? Brings the bounty back where he needs to. He's got like four or five of them, all the bounties that he's wind up collecting. Uh, and we get introduced to the man that he's dropping off his bounties to, um, to a character by the name of Grief. I, I can't remember his last name. Just, his first name is Grief, though. Carl, played by Carl Withers, of all people. Uh, most known will be known for his time as Apollo Creed. Um, back once again. Um, I, I, I absolutely love Carl Withers. I, I, I think he's going to have a fantastic role in this season. And we get to see him briefly in here as Grief. Um, who, unfortunately, while he does have some bounties... Not as promising as the Mandalorian was certainly hoping for. He needs himself a big catch this time. A big catch. And Grief has just the thing for him. No bounty punk. No names. I'm just going to give you the location of this person. You're going to go ahead and meet this gentleman and just take it from there. Right? I mean, as shady as it comes. As shady as it comes. But that's that's what you get when you're dealing with the underground and bounty hunters and things like that, right? So the Mandalorian is certainly off to go ahead and pick up the information he needs for his bounty. Um, the soundtrack in here is incredible, by the way. Um, from throughout the episode, especially the theme. Like, towards the end of this episode, when the credits started running, I love the idea that they threw in concept art from the show um, as it's sort of like its end credits. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to do concept art from each episode, um, or if we're just going to keep, keep seeing the same concept art each chapter in, in, and you know, week in and week out sort of thing. But I love the idea of the concept art for the credits and the theme, the musical score for the Mandalorian. Incredible. Like I literally watched this episode maybe like two or three times and I stayed throughout the entire credits because the musical score was that damn impressive to me. So I don't know if John Williams worked on that or who worked on that particular score for the Mandalorian, but bi big props to them because I absolutely love the theme for this show. Uh, but going back to the Mandalorian episode here, he winds up finally getting the bounty. Not a lot of information. He gets a key fob to kind of help him locate where this particular bounty is. He gets an age of 50 years old. And really the instructions of, we prefer you to bring this bounty in alive. But if things become problematic, it's okay if you bring him back dead as well but just for a lesser price his payment mind you his first upfront payment is beskar steel um which is which you can tell is it's 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 almost like a smaller brick of gold let's just say that okay but it's 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 steel and it's got the imperial emblem stamped on it now for those of you who are wondering where the mandalorian is taking place timeline wise this actually takes place five years after return of the jedi the Empire has, in fact, fallen. The universe is sort of in shambles, trying to gather itself, trying to bring back some sort of government. But in the meantime, the universe is very much rogue. I'm pretty sure you probably have Imperial officers who are trying to maybe work to, like, try to get power of their own now that the Empire is finally gone, in a sense. Maybe trying to rebuild. Um, you know, really, there's no law at this particular point in time. People are trying to rebuild themselves. So this takes five place five years after Return of the Jedi. And really it feels as though from this, this episode alone that the – I don't want to say the Mandalorians are gone. 
but it's almost like they become sort of like a myth and legend in a sense, right? Like something dreadful certainly happened to them. The last time that I recall anything from the Mandalorians was in Star Wars Rebels. And at that particular point in time, which is just before A New Hope, just before that particular time, it seems as though they were in the process of rebuilding Mandalorian, right? We had the dark saber, everything, putting somebody back in charge. It felt hopeful. It felt hopeful for the Mandalorians. But something changed during this particular Civil War period from the from, from the original trilogy side. And I'm, I'm assuming it's really difficult to even see a Mandalorian or have a Mandalorian pop up in this particular universe. But the Beskar steel that is given to him is a very important to the Mandalorians. It's actually what helps them sort of create a, a lot of their armor, a lot of their weapons, a lot of their defenses and things like that. So the Mandalorian now having a piece of Beskar steel for himself and also understanding that if I get this bounty done, I'm also going to get a ton more of Beskar steel. You know how helpful that would certainly be, not only to myself, but my people as well? So pay attention to the concept and idea of Beskar steel. And one of my favorite scenes in here in this whole entire episode is when he takes that Beskar uh, steel to what looks to be a, a Mandalorian sort of like outpost or like some sort of uh, some sort of location where they certainly go to. I mean, they've got they've got the Mandalorian symbol, which is actually the head of a mythosaur. It's actually the mythosaur um, skeleton, I believe, is what the emblem is for Mandalorians. Um. So this is where I'm assuming he's going to, the Mandalorian like outpost or something like that. But who else is there is, in fact, another Mandalorian. Somebody who is, I don't want to say like a blacksmith, but very much a sort of like a, a steelsmith, let's just say that. Where the Mandalorian actually presents uh, them with the Beskar steel that he wind up getting. And they use that to actually form a brand new piece of his armor. And they wind up putting it onto like his right shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. So I have a feeling that that's definitely going to be a significant role for this particular show. Um, is the Mandalorian not all, not only trying to clearly bring back his culture or make his culture powerful again. But also for him to, I guess, maybe fully become a Mandalorian in some aspect upgrading his armor why not right I, I would honestly love to see that happen throughout the course of not only just season one but maybe this entire series as a whole um so we'll see if his costume winds up actually changing and upgrading as it goes along um, but one of the things that the steelsmith winds up mentioning to him is that the amount of beskar steel that you have or that you're, you're about to wind up coming uh, coming in in contact with is going to help out the Mandalorians. And I believe she says also a lot of the foundlings. Now, I'm not quite sure what the foundling, foundlings are, um, but she did mention the idea of like the Great Purge and things like that. So what we kind of saw from flashbacks briefly from the Mandalorian, kind of recalling some of his past, because he says, I was a foundling also. So I'm wondering if something happened with the Empire. Maybe they came to Mandalore, wind up attacking Mandalore, taking all their Beskar steel. Maybe that's why they have the Imperial imprint on the steel. Maybe that's what part of the Purge was, right? Like maybe killing off some of the Mandalorians. Um, we see uh, the Mandos, it seems as though their mom and dad may be hiding him away. Um, and maybe the Mandalorians wind up actually finding some survivors. So maybe that's why they're called the Foundlings. This, again, this is just all assumption. I'm pretty sure all the pieces of the puzzle will certainly be put together as this chapter is certainly going. Because like, there's only one purge that I know of. And the purge that I know of is, in fact, the death of all the Jedis. 
Now, I don't know if included in that purge of the death of the Jedi was also, hey, we got to get the Mandalorians also, or if this great purge they're referring to is maybe something along the lines of the Empire purging out Mandalorians. Um, if they're at the point where, you know, people have mentioned the idea, well, I don't get the opportunity to see Mandalorians around here. You know, I, I believe uh, the mithril in the beginning was like, you know, I hear you guys don't really take off your helmets very much or don't take your helmets off at all. A lot of people, for the most part in this universe, seemingly don't know much about the Mandalorian. So it feels as though something has certainly happened to that particular culture and race over a significant amount of time. So I'm pretty sure the Great Purge will certainly be brought back up here, but that concept and the idea of the foundlings makes me feel as though the Mandalorians were attacked, he was hidden away to save his life, the Mandos wind up finding him and wind up bringing him sort of into the fold, right? Maybe these are the foundlings. So we'll know. Who knows? Who knows? We'll definitely have to see how that turns out. But now that he's got his upgrade, Homeboy finally goes back to finally get his bounty. The mission is certainly on. And we get ourselves introduced to a brand new planet. I don't know what the name of the planet is. I think when I looked it up on Wikipedia, I think it says uh, uh, Arvala 7. Uh, A-R-V-A-L-A 7. Arvala 7, I believe is what they said. Go look it up if you want to. Where he winds up meeting not only... Um, the alien species in the grub, I believe, or the grub. I can't quite. They're they're like fat mini Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Just think about that. Midget T-Rexes, but they're kind of fat, if that makes any sense. They almost look like one gigantic. I, I don't know. Look it up if you haven't seen the episode. If you have seen the episode, you probably know what I'm talking about. But he also gets the opportunity to meet a new character here, um, which they don't name, if I'm not mistaken, but he's actually voiced by none other than Nick Nolte. I haven't seen Nick Nolte on television or on screen in a long time, um, but I can definitely recognize his voice for sure. And this alien decides he's going to go ahead and help the Mandalorian find his particular bounty. I, I love the way that he speaks. It's very much matter of fact, right? Like he'll tell you what he needs to tell you, and then once he's done... He always ends his sentences or ends his conversations with, I have spoken. And then, like, turns and does his own thing. I love it. It feels so Star Wars, man. It feels so Star Wars, man. Like, he'll sit there and he'll talk to you and he's like, I have spoken. And then he, and he's done. And it's like, it's like you, can't, you can't talk back to him. And it's like, okay, I guess I'll believe anything that you say. Um, but I absolutely love it. So he, what's another thing I want to talk to you about, about though, is that in order to get to this particular bounty, they have to ride these grooves or grubs or whatever the case may be. These these alien sort of mini dinosaurs across the land, right? I think this, the alien says there's no way you can traverse this planet without knowing how to ride one of them. Um, so I love the quick little scene that we get to see here of the Mando trying to learn how to ride this little mini dinosaur in a sense. Um, it does sort of add that little fun-loving aspect to Star Wars where you can kind of giggle and, and, and joke around at, right? Like, there has to be some sort of levity to an episode, right? It can't just all be dark and gloomy and things like that. There are elements to Star Wars humor in this show, or at least in this chapter, that I appreciated. Um, like the beginning of the episode when the Mithril and them were about to get attacked by the big creature that that, that grabbed onto it. The land speeder guy was like, hey, you know, um, you know, don't stay on the ice sort of thing. And I think the Mithril, while they were trying to escape, was like, don't stay off the ice. Yeah, the, the understatement of the century or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and then seeing the Mandalorian, who for the most part has been 
rather intense, right? Showcasing how badass he is, yet he's struggling to ride like the pony of the dinosaurs. You know what I mean? So uh, I did I did have a, a really good time watching that. I thought that was pretty funny. But what really spoke to him, though, because you can clearly tell the Mando was getting uh, frustrated with it. I love the fact when the alien creature goes up to him and is like, why are you having such a hard time learning to, to ride this? You're a Mandalorian, right? The Mandalorians used to ride myth uh, mythosaurs. Um, and so for those of you who don't know what mythosaurs are, I'm actually not sure if they were canon before mentioning this or not. Um, but again, the, the mythosaur is the insignia that you see that stands for the Mandalorians. Now, if I if I remember correctly from the EU, the extended universe information that the mythosaurs used to live on Mandalorian um, and the Mandalorians used to live with the dinosaurs to so the with these particular creatures where at times they would actually be able to ride these huge creatures as well. So the fact that he's having a hard time riding this little pony version of just some sort of alien reptile creature uh, is almost like disrespectful to the Mandalorians. Like, how can you call yourself a Mandalorian? You can't even ride this thing. Your ancestors used to ride these huge-ass sort of dragon dinosaurs-looking things. So I did find that pretty funny, but it definitely convinces him that I need to be better about this. And he eventually winds up taming this dinosaur to help them traverse across this land uh, of this brand new planet that they're certainly on. And when they find, finally get to the building where the bounty is at, they do come to find out that it's being surrounded pretty much by uh, a bunch of outsiders, terrorists, scumbags. I mean, you name them. They're certainly out there uh, protecting this particular asset that he needs to acquire. Um, and I love when the appearance of the IG-11 bounty hunter winds up showing up. You can immediately tell from Pedro Pascal's performance that he's like, ugh. I got to deal with one of these like droid bounty hunters like all right we'll see uh we'll see what happens here but I loved IG11 I truly did I kind of thought Taika Waititi would maybe add a little bit more humor to it but I'm glad that they scaled back on it just a little bit because for me at least his humorous aspects was the constant wanting to do the self destruct situation and 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 uh and pedro as the mandalorian is just like no would you stop that would you would you stop trying to self-destruct just help me here um and ig11 goes crazy i i love his movements i clearly love his targeting system because it almost feels like this guy doesn't miss um the constant spinning of the arms while at the same time his head and his eyes are kind of spinning around i'm assuming to locate his next target the fact that not only his arms but his whole entire body can kind of move around it feels like the only stationary thing on him is like his head like it's almost like one gigantic rod and then the rest of his body can spin around and walk however he wants to it's crazy how they did some of the special effects in here, but they they really did IG-11 some amazing justice. Um, I love seeing them work together, and I love just seeing, look, every show has got to have like the epic moment, right? And for me, one of the epic moments for this uh, episode was when he actually manages to get a hold of the laser turret for himself. Uh, he winds up getting the guy off the turret and he just jumps on board, turns the thing around and he's just mowing dudes down. It was like an it was like a Rambo movie for a minute. Just seeing these laser blasters and the musical score going up and he's just he's just blasting these guys to pieces. I absolutely loved it. I, I thought the action was incredible in here. Uh, and then when he when they do get inside of the facility and they manage to find the bounty, it is a bounty that I did not expect 
at all. At all. Um, because it's one of those things like you, you wonder when you go into this series, right? What's the story going to be? Super secretive. I mean, they really hardly gave you any details about this season. And I can see why. Because this is going to be the main plot. His bounty that he's looking for is like inside of this pod. And he's like, this is supposed to be a 50-year-old person. What is in this pod? Why is Why am I getting the signal coming from this pod? And when they open it up, he's like, they said this is 50 years old. And IG-11 says, well, yeah, every, you know, different species age differently. Maybe this one just slowly ages over the next couple centuries. And what you come to find out is the bounty is actually the same alien species as the Jedi Master Yoda. It's like a little baby Yoda. It was the cutest thing. You just see his his ears. He like reaches down the blanket and he pulls the blanket down. And you see the big eyes, the green face, the big green ears. The cutest freaking thing, man. The cutest freaking thing. That's the bounty. Alive, preferably. But if it gives you problems, you can't kill it. Um, and I think IG-11 goes to kill him. And then the Mandalorian says, no, let's not do that. And IG is like, well, we have to terminate it. And he's thinking and he's thinking. And next thing we know, the Mando has killed IG-11 in order to save this particular child. And, of course, it ends on the beautiful note of him reaching out. And you just see the little Yoda's uh, – I can keep calling him Yoda. Uh, this little alien creature reaching up almost like an E.T. moment, if that makes sense. Um, so I thought that – I thought it and, – and the episode ends. In a beautiful sort of one shot. The cinematography was incredible in here. But to kind of see just a silhouette of the Mandalorian in front of this doorway. Reaching out to this little pod that encases this alien Yoda-like creature. Um, just really told me what this whole entire series was going to be exploring, right? Does the Mandalorian bring him back? Right? Like, is, is he going to get attached to... Knowing he what he has, like that, a couple things here, right? One is he going to return the creature, right? As part of his bounty, can you can you um, bring it back alive or dead? Is he going to return his bounty? Two, it almost seems as though he doesn't know what this species is, but maybe he certainly will find out. So I'm kind of curious: Does the Mandalorian know the species, and will he find out exactly the importance of this particular species? And then three. Will he end up sort of being the protector of this, right? Like, I can immediately see um, scenes from this show where the Mandalorians maybe got the little baby Yoda thing strapped on his back and they're, like, trudging through some terrain, right? Maybe trying to bring him to some place where he, where he will, in fact, be a significantly safer. Um, I don't know, but the way, that it, the way that the episode ends is that now the Mandalorian has a predicament. And where does that predicament lead him? I have no idea. But I, I love the direction that this series could now potentially take. I, I was blown away. I truly was. Able to get me traversed into this new world. Characters I fell for immediately. Even the bounty hunter droid. Like we've never seen a bounty hunter droid live action in action. 
knowing what they're capable of. Like, talk about as dangerous as they come. Like, if I see a bounty hunter droid coming for me, I, I, I got to think that my chances of surviving are super slim. Um, so seeing what they're capable of doing for the first time was incredible. Again, Pedro Pascal I thought was amazing. John Favreau's writing was absolutely excellent. And again, because of the fact that we're involving this Yoda creature sort of thing, maybe some hints of force kind of thing, I feel like this is something that Dave Filoni just wants to get his hands on for sure. You know what I mean? And of course, they both love John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni both love Mandalorian. So it all makes sense to me. And so I'm really glad that this kind of all came together um, so incredibly brilliantly. So for those of you who are wondering... Episode one, or I should say chapter one, was on Wednesday or uh, on the 12th. So, yeah, it was on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday, excuse me. Chapter two will be this Friday. It will be dropping this Friday on Disney+. Plus. Um, if you guys don't have Disney+, Plus, you guys can certainly do a seven-day free trial. They do offer it for you, so check it out, um, especially if you want to go ahead and at least catch the first two episodes of The Mandalorian. And then from there, it will, in fact, be weekly, every Friday. Um, so two episodes this week, and then after that, once every week, guys. But overall, I was pleased. As a Star Wars fan... I really enjoyed what I saw, and I'm I'm really captivated now by the story and where it's going to take me. But as always, guys, these are just my A-plus opinions on the episode. I always want to know yours, so please comment below at the bottom and certainly let me know. And one of the things that I really also loved about this episode, 38 minutes. Um, I don't know if some people are uh, are complaining that they maybe they wish that it was longer. I kind of could have pushed for like maybe 45 minutes or so. Um, but when I got done watching the episode, I thought, mwah. Perfect. Perfect amount of time. Um, because look, I, I, clearly they're going to have more time to develop a lot of these characters over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of chapters. So I think we should certainly be good uh, in that regards. Um, but again, I, I want to know what you guys think. So let me know in the live chat or even in the comment section box below if there's anything that I missed that you guys want to go ahead and continue to talk about, whether it be character points, storyline points um, that you want to go ahead and bring up. Feel free to go ahead and do so, guys. We'll certainly go ahead and continue this particular discussion. So uh, let me see if I can go ahead and pull this up here for you guys in the live chat, um, see what some of you guys are saying. Um, so yeah, oh, hey, Miss Hassan wind up popping up in here as well, along with David Conway. What's up here, David? Thank you very much for popping in. He says, uh, hi, I'm a new unknown fan here. Well, David, you're certainly always welcome, my friend. So thank you very much for popping in. We appreciate it. Uh, Gabriel says, uh, he's got a couple a couple things. He says, it was great to see Carl Weathers again. Um, it's certainly been a long time since I've seen him at anything. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's been quite a minute, but it feels like it, Homeboy hasn't missed a beat like whatsoever. So it was really great to kind of see him back in here and he says uh, the composer for the mandalorian is the same oscar winning composer for black panther oh hey that's fantastic let me see if i can go ahead and pull that up i had no idea what that particular connection was but let me see if i can see what his name was um ludwig Goransson, it seems as though Lud Ludwig Goransson. Um, I, that's fascinating to me. I'm glad that they picked him up. That's for sure. Um, I wasn't quite sure if it was like uh, John Williams or Michael uh, Giacchino, I believe his name is, uh, or maybe somebody from like that they got from Rogue One. I'm not quite sure. 
Um, but I loved it. I honestly love the theme. Um, I believe online they actually might have released the soundtrack for Chapter 1. Um, so certainly go ahead and check it out if you haven't had the opportunity um, to do so. Um, but yeah, other than that, guys, um, I don't have any other questions uh, from you guys or any other comments in the live chat. So that'll probably wrap it up for us. Um, we will, in fact, be back later on this week. If not on Friday, then perhaps this upcoming weekend we'll go ahead and do a review for Chapter 2. I'm just pumped that Star Wars is on the uptick on the uprise uh, I feel a lot of as a Star Wars fan I feel a lot of excitement and curiosity for the future curiosity and some excitement for Rise of Skywalker um, but um, really excited for just some of the original television shows that we're going to be getting from the Rogue One series with um, um, Cassian Andor along with um, uh, the Obi-Wan series, and now we're getting not only season one of The Mandalorian, but also I think um, Dave, excuse me, I think John Farrell's also writing season two as we speak as well. So uh, the future feels bright. But we'll definitely have to see how things turn out. But guys, again, let me know what you guys thought about Mandalorian Chapter 1 on Disney Plus in the comment section box below. Um, and other than that, I think that'll wrap it up for us, guys. So we'll see you guys again this upcoming weekend for another live discussion review for The Mandalorian. Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. May the Force be with you. And keep it A+. Talk to you later. Bye.